A reading from the book of Revelation. God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant could be seen in the temple. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth, to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God in his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert, where she had a place prepared by God. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come, the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his anointed one. Verbum Domini.
reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through man, the resurrection of the dead came also through man. For just as in Adam all die, so too in Christ shall all be brought to life but each one in proper order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to his God and Father, when he has destroyed every sovereignty and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he subjected everything under his feet. Verbum Domini. Dominos Fobiscum. Lexio Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucum.
Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at that moment, the sound of your greeting reached my ears. The infant, leapt, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Verbum Domini. Today we celebrate the solemnity of the Assumption of our Blessed Mother into heaven, body and soul. <clears throat> and we also give thanks today for 42 years of EWTN that Mother Angelica founded the network in 1981 and with great faith and effort um, built the network and praise for the network to this day, I'm sure, from heaven. She is a, a model for us all in evangelization, Mother Angelica. And I think as a woman religious, and in her own life especially, she images this scene of the visitation we have in the gospel, that Mary goes in haste, that there was an urgency in Mother's life to evangelize, to bring Jesus to others. Now Mary just doesn't bring a word, so to speak, to Elizabeth. She brings the person of Christ, and I think Mother Angelica, women religious especially, image that church is bride, that spousal union that's bringing Christ himself uh, to others. So we give thanks today uh, for this great work uh, done here at EWTN. We see in the readings today, uh, the first one from Revelation at the end of chapter 11, chapter 12 here, 
We're told that God's temple in heaven was opened and the Ark of His Covenant could be seen in the temple. The Ark of His Covenant. The church places this reference to the Ark you know, in the celebration of Mary's Assumption because she is seen as the new Ark of the Covenant. You know, Revelation uh, speaks of Mary beautifully as the woman clothed with the sun, and there's also this theme of the Ark. You remember, the Ark is where the stone tablets were kept of the Ten Commandments, the jar of manna, the rod of Aaron, and it was considered a visible sign of God's presence that he's accompanying his people, you know, with Moses in the desert, into battle in the Promised Land. Later, they would bring the ark, leading them into battle, looks like at Jericho. And also, you know, the ark was kept in the tent before the temple was built. The cloud of glory would descend upon that tent of meeting and upon the temple. And then when the temple was built in the Promised Land, in the Holy of Holies, the inner sanctum, the most holy place in that Temple Mount area where the ark was kept. It was the reason that it was the place of worship, God's presence there. It was the seat of his presence, yet there's still a hope for a fulfillment because the Jewish people had such a strong sense of the absolute transcendence of God that even Solomon, who built the temple 900 years before Christ, said even the heavens cannot contain the Lord, that the temple was his footstool, that his name dwelt there. And yes, the cloud of glory would descend, and these are expressions of his presence, but they, they were still waiting for the Messiah to cross the threshold of the temple. There was still a fullness yet to come. The ark also was a sign of his covenant, his bond, with his people, that they were to obey the law, those 10 commandments written on the stone tablets, the word of God revealing himself and his plan for our salvation. They are to keep that. And yet the, the history of Israel, there was failure in maintaining the covenant. Again, we needed a fulfillment. We needed a fulfillment of, fulfillment of that covenant. And of course, Jesus establishes the new covenant, the everlasting covenant that shall not be broken, established in his blood and his sacrifice on Calvary. And Mary brings us Jesus. God has made his dwelling in her womb, that the word has become flesh, fully God, fully man, dwelt among us in this preeminent way, fully God, fully man, in the womb of Mary. And he, she brings him to us. We see other parallels that David, when he, he was going to bring the, temp, the ark to the temple, to Jerusalem, and he goes to the Jaian hill country, like Mary did in haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth. We're told that David arose and went. We're told that Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah. David and Elizabeth struck, were struck by the same sense of awe and unworthiness, you know, before the ark and before Mary. David danced before the ark. John the Baptist leapt. He's filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb of Elizabeth. He leapt. He's like a, a dance 
with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that Mary was there and pouring forth through her, her unborn child. Mary stayed in the house of Zechariah three months and the ark stayed in the house of Abidom for three months as well before being brought to Jerusalem. And Mary, Elizabeth exclaimed in a loud voice when Mary came to her, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. It's the only time in Greek that that word is found in the New Testament, this exclamation. Five times in the Greek Old Testament, and it's always surrounding the ark. There are stories about the ark. And so it's, it's a word that speaks of glorifying the Lord. So Mary is the new ark of the covenant. And yet in all this, we see in her Magnificat in the gospel today that she, we see her humility, her lowliness. Pope Benedict would say that Mary's greatness consists in the fact that she wants to magnify God, not herself. That God is drawn to her humility. She desires to be the handmaid of the Lord, following God's will, giving her fiat. At the Annunciation, yes, she became a mother to us. Jesus had assumed human nature, so she's the mother of Jesus. She's the mother of us in a sense. There, St. Anselm would say that from the moment of her fiat, Mary began to carry all of us in her womb. But at the foot of the cross, she's explicitly given to us as our mother. That, that her motherhood is taken up, caught up in that divine charity of outpouring of love on the cross for our salvation, a burning charity that now her motherhood is taken up in the realm of salvation. Woman, behold your son, and behold your mother, John is told, and he takes her into his own, we're told. Technically, it doesn't say into his own home, but it's into your own. And it's a word, Pope Benedict would reflect that it's like his inner being into his very being. This is what John did. So we are called to welcome her deeply into our hearts. We see in that first reading that she is, the woman is clothed with the sun. So Mary in her assumption, she is inserted into the life of God, body and soul in this extraordinary way. She's with God totally, she lives in God. She's surrounded by God's light, you know, symbolized by being clothed with the sun. Crowned with 12 stars, speaks of her kingship, her queenship, and the 12 tribes of Israel, prefiguring the whole people of God today, the new Israel. At Pentecost, she's in the upper room praying with the, the apostles, that she has this role of of working with the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the Holy Spirit that her motherhood is over all. We see the, the moon at her feet. And it's seen in scripture as a sign of the moon, as a sign of fertility, related to life and death and this cycle of waxing and waning, full moon, growth, death, and birth. But Mary now has left all that now. She is left deaf 
has, has left death behind. She's clothed in life. She's taken up into heaven. So we have testimony that love is triumphant, that faith is triumphant, that she is the model and pattern of holiness. She suffers no corruption. She's assumed to be more fully conformed to her son. She anticipates our resurrection. She is the model and pattern of holiness. These are all phrases from the, the papal bull on the Assumption in, in 1950. We could say a human creature has made it, has crossed the victory line, a model and pattern of holiness. We see the victory of Christ in her. That victory is won in her. And the good news for us is that the heart of a mother, our spiritual mother, is in heaven, interceding for us. The heart of a mother that longs for the salvation of her children. You know, as we grow in faith, we're detached from the things of this world. St. Thomas Aquinas would say that faith purifies our hearts. And she is our model of faith. We are called to imitate her. At the Annunciation, she gives her fiat. At Cana, she intercedes for us, points us to Jesus. She appears somewhat in the public ministry, but it's at the foot of the cross, right? When Jesus gives her to us to be our mother and at Pentecost, that we see her preeminence. We see her intense, quiet, hidden faith. It's seen from that fiat, let it be done to me according to your word, to the foot of the cross where she's standing in faith. That faith is like a, a stream that's flowing in the gospel and it's flowing and growing in size, quietly, hiddenly, 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 but, but it's there. It's a model for us. Yes, she is in heaven, yet she is very close to us. On earth, she could be close to a few people being with God, in God, inserted in the life of God here through her assumption, she is close to us. Behold your mother, Jesus says. She comes in haste to us like she did to Elizabeth. We can see throughout the world, Marian sanctuaries and shrines, cultural expressions under various titles for Our Lady. She has visited us. She has come to us. She has come to us with the solicitude of this great motherly love and affection, guiding us to salvation. As John Paul II would say at Fatima, her motherhood means caring for the life of the child. That's what motherhood is. We have a spiritual mother, the heart of a mother in heaven that's greater than all the collection of a, mother's, of a human mother's love in the world for us. So we are to draw near to her, to ask for her help. That that fountain of grace, one for us on Calvary, pours forth through her immaculate heart upon us. That she is the mother of the church. That she is truly guiding and interceding for us. This feast has been celebrated in the church for over a thousand years. 
We recognize Mary's role. We beg her intercession. We open our hearts to receive this grace from her. And she will not forget us. She will be there to console us and to guide us to heaven.